Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Friday, May 13th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The 2022 NFL regular season schedule was released on Thursday evening, and the Chiefs now know who they're playing. Wait a sec. The Chiefs have known who they're playing since the end of the 2021 regular season. Now we know the order of the games and the kickoff times. On today's Sportsbeat KC, beat writers Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell provide their thoughts on how the schedule shook out for the Chiefs. They tell us where they believe the rough patches are and where there might be opportunity for the six-time defending AFC West champ. After a break, you'll hear from two Chiefs players from rookie minicamp that ended earlier this week. First up will be cornerback Joshua Williams from Fayetteville State. He was selected in the fourth round. Williams is followed by Nazi Johnson, a safety from Marshall, who was taken in the seventh round. Okay, let's get started. Well, I don't know about uh, you guys, and by you guys, I mean Kirby Tiope and Jesse Newell, beat writers um, for the Kansas City Star, covering the Chiefs, but um, 6.45 p.m. on Thursday came around, and to be honest with you, I'd stopped caring about the release of the NFL schedule. Uh, I knew who the Chiefs were going to play, and by then we already knew a handful of games, including the opener, so I'm not sure what mysteries uh, were there to be to be revealed and we listen we, we talk about the nfl and its hype machine probably nowhere more true is it is it an event over hype like the nfl schedule release is it kirby you've been covering the league for a long time and worked you know kind of got an inside view of the nfl schedule release from an nfl perspective it's really kind of crazy isn't it it's nutty. Okay, Blair, you and I are old enough to remember when we used to just get the schedule release in an email. Well, well, <laughs> hey, I remember when it came over the fax machine. You know, the, <laughs> the schedule would be released over a fax machine and nobody would rush to get it. You know? But they, you're right. They somehow managed to, to make people care about the schedule release. And it's it's amazing to me. But then when you think about it, it really isn't because – when you think about the NFL scouting combine a couple of years ago, they figured out, hey, I bet you fans will pay to watch people lift weights. Sure enough, people <laughs> they said, hey, combine, you have to pay. And then people started paying. Super Bowl media night. People actually pay to watch us interview players. And, and so, you know, as long as they're getting advertising for, for these TV shows that the league puts together, and I'll say this, you, you mentioned – you know, the, the insider point of view, as, as most people know, I used to work at the NFL, uh, the NFL Network and NFL.com. We had the schedule a solid week and a half, two weeks out before the schedule release. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, you're sworn to secrecy, uh, you threaten losing your job if you leak it. Uh, but they've had it for a while, but they somehow managed to turn this into a giant production you know, with announcements to the announcements to the announcements. And then this year was the first time I've ever seen them do a schedule release on draft night. And then you had to deal with international games. And then we're going to do select games, but we're going to give it to all major uh, broadcasts and let them do it on their morning shows. Look, it's ridiculous. It's the NFL, you know, in my best Therese Paler voice. It's incredible. But that's what the NFL does now. They somehow managed to turn this into a giant production to, to think that people care about it. But, you know, I don't care about it. I'm, I was like you, 6.45, 7 o'clock. Okay, right. Get it out there, and then that's it. 
Well, one, one other byproduct of the schedule release is the false information that gets put out there. And there was a Twitter, Twitter account created that picked up 10,000 followers in a short amount of time, basically purposely putting out misinformation, including the chief's opener. Uh, this website had, or this uh, uh, Twitter account had the chief's opening at Houston. And I know that the, you know, we didn't do anything with that, but other people in media around Kansas City jumped on it, reported it. And, um, you know, and then the, the whole, you know, the, the, the whole Twitter account was false. And then at the end, the, whoever created this account basically said, yeah, I just did it to screw with you guys. Um, you know, it was just, I, I just did, I did it on purpose because I was bored and had fun. And, and so many people were retweeting his tweets, but we were just list, you know, week seven bucks at Eagles or something like that. And, uh, complete with TV and kickoff times and nothing, you know, nothing was true about it. So that's how gullible we all are. And that, when that's the power of course, too, of the NFL, when it has the, um, you know, it has the power to entice us with, with something as meaningless as a schedule release. Jesse, how did you spend your schedule release evening? Um, yeah. So, there were some sort of real leaks, if you will, that the NFL was kind of trickling out and some of the teams were coming out with, hey, here's the home opener against the Chiefs on this day, that sort of thing. So you kind of piece together a little bit of it. But uh, this, I think, goes back to what our old colleague Sam Mellinger always talked about, which is uh, he's not going to tell people how to fan. You know what I mean? And it seems like what the NFL has done, because it has encapsulated the whole year, is it gives people a reason to think about the NFL every week of the year. And while we can sit here and say, Hey, the NFL, that we knew the schedule, we knew, we knew who, what teams were playing. We knew this was happening. I mean, all the speculation that was out there on who was going to play who on what weeks and what TV stations and all that, it just lets you know that people are ready for this season and they want to think about the NFL, even when it's the middle of May. So again, I'm, I'm not going to tell people how to fan. I know there was a lot of excitement for that thing to come out, even though a lot of this stuff was already known, but yeah, I was basically just filling in the blanks because we did know about half of the Chiefs' schedule based off of what the NFL had released and other teams had released. And I will say this. If uh, this NFL schedule release gives social media teams like the Los Angeles Chargers a reason to put out an anime video of their 18 opponents, I don't know if you guys have seen this. This might be like this should be up for an Emmy or something like this thing is so freaking amazing with the details that are in it. And anime coach Andy Reid, uh, you know, it is unbelievably fascinating and uh, giving some very, very talented people something to do and, and giving me two minutes of entertainment when I didn't think I'd have it in mid-May. So again, it can seem silly to some, but uh, I'm not going to tell people how to fan and people around these parts are very, very excited about the Chiefs as they should be because of Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Brett Veach, and all they have going on in these parts. Yeah, I did see that Chargers uh, schedule release. It was fantastic. So well done. Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so so make sure to stop and, and notice all the detail in each of their opponents, uh, you know, announcements, including the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, um, uh, hey, and, and, you know, you can actually, you know, go into the Google machine and, and, uh, and, and search for previous year schedule releases because theirs over the years have just been amazing, uh, at least since they've been in L.A. So great stuff by the Chargers. A couple other teams did a, did a, a nice job. I don't think all teams do it. Uh, the Chiefs did. Andy Reid and uh, was was involved, and our friend Mac, Matt McMullen from 
the you know who works for the Chiefs as their publicity guy. Basically, um, they they did a they did a nice job with theirs as well. So, well, let's fill in a couple of the blanks anyway. Um, oh, we the opener at Arizona, interesting game. Pat, Patrick Mahomes' first game against his his old college coach uh, in in uh, Cliff Kingsbury. So um, that was what, what's the, I don't even know the date on that, um, but I've got it right here. September the 11th. Okay, September 11th. So uh, that's it. I, I, what what jumped out at you, Herbie, about the schedule? About you know, is there a is there a tougher stretch? Um, is is there a cluster of games that uh, that look a little bit more difficult than than others? What what stood out to you about it? Oh, that first week, that excuse me, the first seven games of the schedule. Wow, the we all knew, you know, from projections and what have you from an analyst that this was going to be a tough schedule. It's like one of the top five toughest schedules in the National Football League of opponents, I should say. But when they when the Chiefs got their schedule and their first seven games are against teams that all finished last year with a winning record. And then all of a sudden you're looking at this thing. You're like, holy smokes, the Chiefs, you know, before their bye week and week eight, they're running through a gauntlet of of quality opponents and then all the road games you know three of their first uh four games on the road holy smokes this is a this this schedule here uh on paper at least sets up to be tough and, and I, I i say on paper because every year there's turnover in the league and we all know that some teams that weren't good last year all of a sudden they're good this year and i, I suspect that's probably going to happen here again but when i look at some of the teams on the schedule here you know Cardinals, Chargers, Colts, Bucks, Raiders, Bills, and 49ers in a row. Uh, some of those teams are repeat playoff teams. You know, you're looking at the Bucks, you're looking at the Bills. And this schedule here sets up to be a, a good measuring stick for the Chiefs, if you will, to see where they are. You know, um, like I said, we knew the opponents. We just didn't know the order of most of the games. Uh, you know, you know the opponents as soon as the standings are become final for the previous season. And the only difference that the Chiefs uh, schedule, the only places where the Chiefs schedule is different than other members of the AFC West are uh, a couple of teams, right? First, because the Chiefs finished first, and they did so for the sixth straight time in the division last year. Uh, they're they they have a more difficult schedule than Chargers, Broncos, and Raiders because they have to play first place teams from other divisions. And this year, that's the Bucks and uh, the Bengals. I think are the two teams that the Chiefs play that the other three do not. So just by virtue of that, the Chiefs' schedule is going to be more difficult. But you know, to your point, Herbie, I I think I read this. Elias Sports had that the Chiefs are the first team in NFL history. Uh, to play, is it the first seven or eight against teams that finished with a, it is eight, the yeah. teams that finished with a winning record the previous year. And of course, you know, that's, uh, you have to, again, there's a little caveat here. Uh, the, last year was the first year of the 17 game schedule. Teams are either going to have a winning or a losing record, not a break even record. So, you know, the first eight opponents for the Chiefs winning records the, the previous year, first time that's happened. So, what about you, Jesse? Did you see anything that um, that sticks out in terms of, you know, degree of difficulty. Well, yeah, I mean, I was going to bring up what you said, which is people are going to have to take a deep breath with the Chiefs because they could play well and be four and four, three and five. I mean, they yeah. could have some bad breaks and be two and six. Uh, that That's the thing is 
uh, all these schedules are not created equal. And, you know, the old cliche is your record is what you are, but uh, this Chiefs team could play pretty well and have a losing record after eight games. That's just the bottom line with it. Now, things lighten up a little bit on the second half. And we saw last year, same thing with the Chiefs, what they started three and four, and there was some panic, some worry, um, and went to the downtime. And obviously, toward the back end, had righted that ship and got things in the right direction. And some of the same sort of things, you know, the Chiefs had some bad turnover luck. You know, Patrick Mahomes had some balls that were thrown receivers or being tossed back into uh, defenders' arms, that sort of thing. So, um, I think it's going to be really important to sort of separate two things that can be realities at the same time, which is that the Chiefs are a good, but maybe not elite of the elite team without Tyreek Hill. I mean, definitely top five team in the NFL, but maybe not top one or two at this moment. You'd probably give that to the Bills at this moment. At the same time, that record might look a little bit different from that just because it's loaded. And, um, you know, going back to my KU days, this kind of reminds me, this is why for a long time, you know, those coaches in the Champions Classic, uh, you know, KU, Michigan State, they didn't want to play those teams first. They wanted to play, you know, Southeast Louisiana State uh, School for the Blind first because they wanted to get a win in, have their record look like 2-0. and And then, oh, now you can go play Duke. Now you can go play some of these tougher opponents. And uh, that's just not the schedule that the NFL has offered the Chiefs here. So it, it might take some deep breaths, some rationalization, some, hey, take a step back, look big picture, that sort of thing, because, Uh, The Chiefs, it might be a tough go, just like last year for the first few weeks. That might not mean they're a flawed team. It might mean they're a team that's going to have to get wins on the back end and or just sneak into the playoffs and see where that takes them because by the end, they still could be a really, really dangerous and good football team that nobody wants to face in the postseason. Yeah, you know, the the records suggest that the first half of the schedule is going to be more difficult than the second half. But on the second half, they've got a stretch of three straight road games, too, in four and five weeks, which is a little unusual. I mean, you just don't often see three straight either at home or on the road. Now, not the most formidable after, uh, what is it, the Bills, I think, are the first one uh, of that group. Yeah, and then the Bills. Yeah, the Bengals, then the Broncos, and then Houston. So. Still, I mean, that's uh, that, that's that's a big ask for a team to go on the road for three straight weeks and four out of five. Of course, there, there's some marquee games, right? The, the Buccaneers, Chiefs at Tampa Bay in week four. And then a few weeks later, the Bills come to Kansas City. And it's, it'll be the fourth straight time the Bills have played the Chiefs in Kansas City. Uh, Bills are probably wondering what in the world. Their fans have to be just beside themselves. How, what do we have to do to get the Chiefs to come to Buffalo? Well, it's all the scheduling formula, right? All this stuff is determined years in advance, and it just works out that way. I remember there was a stretch where the Chiefs went to New England about every year for for five years or so. But how about the Bills? The the last time they played the Chiefs in Buffalo was the COVID year. That was the game that was like on a what, Monday or afternoon or something, and no fans. So even when the Buffalo Buffalo got the Chiefs in, in you know at their stadium, nobody could see it um, except on television. Um, Trying to think, anything else about the schedule that stands out? I, it, you know, it ends with two division games, right? Because that's I, I love how the NFL does that. It keeps the division uh, races interest. You know, if if there's interest in the division races, they you know they'll they'll have games in the last couple weeks of the season. Chiefs end up at Las Vegas. I would think that there would be a couple of at least a couple of people who cover the Chiefs for the Star that would have preferred to play the you know, the, the Raiders earlier in the season in Las Vegas. Am I right about that, Herb? <laughs> You're probably right because you, if the Chiefs make the playoffs, obviously, you know, like last year, we, we were able to get in an extra day and, and this 
the Sin, Sin City. We flew back on Tuesday. But if the Chiefs make the playoffs and they don't have the number one seed, they're going to play the following weekend. So we don't have that luxury. But you know what? Hey, we'll make the most of it. Raiders, uh, the final week of the year. There's, there are worse places to be in January, you know, because it'll be a little warm there at least. Well, maybe, and maybe their first playoff opponent will be at Las Vegas, so you can spend the get be there the whole week. Just don't don't even come home. So yeah, I just have to say, Blair. I mean, I, I mentioned this that you know, Chiefs fans. It's obviously expectations are high. They should be high, and they've got a really difficult schedule to start with. But just from an entertainment value, I mean, man, this is going to be fun, guys. Like. At Arizona to start, four days later, you get home against the Chargers. That's going to be one of the biggest games of the AFC West. Um, at Tampa Bay, week four, I mean, a rivalry, you know, rematch of the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, maybe the last time uh, for those two guys going to each other. Week six, you rematch that crazy-ass playoff game from last year at Arrowhead uh, that had the, the crazy finish with both teams just flying up and down the field. Um, I mean, my goodness, guys, like this is – you know, we can talk about the Chiefs, and I, I know some of those graphs out there that are accurate talking about like, hey, you look at how Vegas predicts how these teams are going to be, and the Chiefs are like they're on their own level when it comes to strength of schedule. I mean, like every the other 31 teams are kind of in this mismatch, and the Chiefs are like in the basement by themselves because they are facing a tougher schedule than anybody else. But you add in primetime, they're already the show. You know, they're already Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey, all that sort of stuff. They're already the main draw. But then you just face them in all these fascinating places with all these fascinating quarterbacks, with all these fascinating coaches, with all these great teams who are going to want a shot at them. And uh, again, it might cause some headaches. It might cause for some losses, but it should be held a lot of fun. I'm telling you, I mean, this is this is a schedule I'm looking forward to uh, to going on road with you guys and, and seeing because uh, there's going to be great games here week in, week out. And uh, once we get to September, uh, it's going to be must-see TV for, for most of the season. The good news about the schedule, and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to invoke my Blair Kirkhoff here, at least three of the five primetime games are early in the year, Blair. We can, we can get them out of the way so we yeah. don't have to. <sighs> yeah, it's my, yeah. yeah, nothing makes me sigh more than night NFL games. It just, uh, it just, it's, uh, the older I get, the, the more familiar <laughs> I, I become when it comes to this, but. You guys make good points. Listen, the, the the ratings probably we're looking at are probably a records rating season in the NFL just because of all the good young quarterbacks in the AFC. All of a sudden, there are you know now when you know when the Broncos play the Seahawks in Week One, that's must see TV, right? Because Russell because of Russell Wilson uh, playing his old team, and um, anytime Tom Brady plays, anytime Mahomes plays, and now um, Justin Herbert and, and Joe Burrow and. You know, what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson? And it, there's just all sorts of uh, uh, great theater and drama for the NFL, and including the release of the schedule. So, all right, guys, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. And um, and when we, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, you'll hear from a couple of rookies that, uh, that participated in rookie minicamp last week. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. 
go to kansascity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Welcome back to Sportsbeat KC, and let's hear from a couple of draft picks. First up is Joshua Williams, a fourth-round selection from Fayetteville State. He was asked, among other things, about carrying the flag for Division II and historically black colleges and universities in the draft. After Williams, we'll hear from Nazi Johnson, a seventh-round pick from Marshall. Asked about NFL players he admires, Johnson selected one from the Chiefs whose team he played in college. Okay, here we go. Here's Joshua Williams. What do you think? A few days of NFL practice? I know it's not like heavy, hard-hitting practice, but how did you feel like you fit in? I uh, definitely felt like, you know, I'm getting the hang of it. Um, it's definitely an adjustment. But, you know, working with Coach Mann and Coach Spag, they work with you to make sure you're getting your system. Um, we're going through, you know, all the plays thoroughly. So they're real, you know, motivating and, um, you know, just helping us all, all the young guys, helping us out, making sure we're getting the plays down correctly and knowing our assignments. What's how been, what was how the most overwhelming is it, like, coming you've never been to the NFL practice. Now you don't know any of these guys either. What's that learning curve like over a few well, there's definitely a learning curve. I wouldn't call it overwhelming um, just because of the, the cast of guys we have here. Um, there were some older guys who had been through this process before helping us. Um, you know, And like I said, the coaches, the whole staff, they really do a good job in just making sure you're um, kind of just getting the hang of everything, knowing where things are, knowing what your resources are, and um, just understanding you know, how to get better, how to make yourself a professional. Initial weekend as a pro, what do you anticipate the biggest challenge is going to be as you make the transition? The biggest Transition would probably be just, you know, making sure, um, you know, I know what the difference is between, you know, the NFL playbooks and NFL offenses I've been used to or I, I see now compared to, you know, of course, college playbooks and college offenses. So, you know, just kind of taking that step up, um, expanding my mind, you know, expanding my knowledge. But, um, you know, I felt like this weekend was a huge learning experience and I think I got better. When you talk about understanding playbooks and sort of the, the complexity to it, just um, how have you tried to sort of just keep used to that, knowing that you're practicing so quickly with guys that you're trying to build relationship on the field? Right. Well, um, like anything, most of it is repetition. Um, you know, we, we do plenty of film work, um, go over in the film room, and, um, you know, we have access to all the plays. So going home, making sure I'm getting in, um, in the playbook and also re-watching the film, taking notes, um, that's definitely something they encourage you to do. So when we do come out here, you know, the next day and we do walkthroughs and install, you know, you kind of have a better grasp of it. How much of a pride factor was it for you to be drafted out of a Division II school and HBCU as well? I mean, how, how did you, just what was your reaction to that? Right. Um, well, of course, you know, I love all HBCUs and um, I'm very proud of where I came from. But at the same time, I, I know, you know, um, at this, you know, level, nobody really cares where you came from. Um, you know, it's all about results, honestly. So. Um, you know, I'm kind of just focusing on that, you know, being a professional, um, getting used to it. Of course, I'm definitely, you know, um, proud, like, proudful of, of where I came from. And, you know, I'm blessed to be where I am and have experienced everything I have. But at the same time, you know, I'm very humble and eager to fit in here. Anything surprised you over the last three days? Surprised me? Um, I wouldn't say surprised me, uh, but I definitely, you know, expected just – the, the, the flow of this, um, uh, everything is faster here, um, but that's, that's things they help you adapt to, so, you know, that's not too surprising. I knew it was going to be, you know, faster, more complex, everything, 
but um, just like I said, the resources they give you to kind of, kind of, kind of act all the, you know, change that you're going to be going through is, you know, it's great. One thing that we about the Chiefs beforehand, and what was kind of your reaction to joining the team here? Well, of course, you know, like I'm sure every uh, football fan does, you know, I was always watching the Chiefs play, um, especially through the past few years, all the success they've had. So um, for me to be ble or for me to be drafted in this, you know, predicament um, and be in the situation I am, I'm, I'm just blessed and uh, just truly humble. Very happy to be here, and, and you know, I want to come in and contribute. In the the Last one. Over the past three days, is there anything that Coach Merritt or Coach Spag maybe identified in you personally that, okay, you know, as you develop here, let's, let's have you work specifically on this? Um, we're working on everything. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm not, not, not to say, you know, I'm just awful at everything or there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, everything's at, you know, it's uh, completely more complex and at a whole different level. So. Um, everything is really just technique, making sure we're doing it their way and not, you know, the way we're used to or, you know, um, breaking bad habits and, and making them into, pro, uh, you know, professional habits and good habits. So. Thanks, Thank you. All right, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Nazi Johnson. How are you guys doing? Good, how are you? Nazi, I kind of asked Jalen this yesterday. Obviously, it's a seventh-round pick. There's a lot of anxious moments that, that occur there. What was it like for you when you got that call from the Chiefs, and how relieved were you to finally hear the, the phone ring? Oh, it was a very humbling experience because, you know, I started my career as a walk-on, and um, just to hear my name and um, my all dreams and aspirations came true, um, I'm just grateful for the um, Chiefs organization for giving me a chance to showcase my talent. Did you spend much time with the Chiefs before the draft? Uh, no, sir, I haven't. I didn't receive any um, things, but I received some things here and there, but they was just a late thing. How did your weekend go, um, your first time as a pro? Uh, it felt really good. You know, everything is moving so fast. It's different from college. Um, I got experience from here and there, you know what I'm saying? But it's just it's just good just to be here and, and living in the now, you know what I'm saying, taking advantage of all my opportunities. As you got to the final few picks of the draft, did you have an understanding of were there any teams interested in you potentially as an undrafted free agent? And yes, sir. Which, which teams? Uh, yes, sir. I had I had a couple. I had um, New York. Um, I had the Rams. Um, and I think the um, Bengals, um, you know what I'm saying? But I was actually on the verge of uh, making a deal, and then they, I got the call, and everything's been history since then. Was, was that the Giants or the Jets? The Giants. And, which, and that was the team that you? That I was going to eventually sign gotcha. with if I was going to go and drop the career. At what point did you realize what the expectations were? Did they catch you up on the championship culture and the attention to detail here in Kansas City? Um, I knew uh, from day one because this is a um, pristine um, organization and um, they have a great history here. So I knew from day one that you have to be a professional. They don't um, care if you're a rookie. I mean, you get some chances, but they expect out everything out of you, no matter what round you're from. You get any barbecue yet? No, sir, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> haven't had time. Have, have they um, tried to have you sort of learn one position in the secondary so far, or did you get a chance to sort of move around this weekend? Um, actually, so I was actually at the nickel position and um, the strong safety position, so I was learning two positions in this game. And, and how, how, how much of that is similar to what you did in college? Um, that's exactly what I did in college. In college, I played free safety and nickel um, in certain downs, and um, it's, it's the same thing here. So it's just, you know what I'm saying, I just they see my talent and just put me in position the best to see. 4.35 speed in, in the 40. How, how proud are you of that? And, and are you, do you consider yourself maybe the fastest guy out there 
Uh, in the defensive backs room. Oh, uh, that's that's. Um, I'm just humbled because um, you know I came, <laughs> I came in high school. I mean I was running a, a four six out of high school, so it just I just put my head down and work because you know it's a walk on. You got to earn everything, and um, just to be one of the fastest guys in the room means everything to me. So it just shows my hard work and determination because you know what I'm saying there's no excuses. You just got to go get it, take your opportunities. You, you entered college as a walk on. When did you put you on scholarship? Oh, they put me on scholarship the next year. Okay. Yes, sir. How much have you interacted with just the veteran defensive backs at all? Or it's text, um, I haven't uh, really got um, that information yet. Um, I haven't really got to um, talk to them, but I talked to a lot of rookies in the room, and they're very cool. And you know, what I'm saying it's just like close net family. I got all their numbers and stuff like that, so it's really, it's really cool. Who are some players that you watch and you try to draw from, and kind of your your inspiration? Um, Sleed, um, I, I learned a lot from him uh, because I played him in actually in college. And, um, his um, the way he translated from college to the uh, pros is, is excellent. So I'm just trying to, you know, what I'm saying I'm gonna pick his brain and learn from him because he's he's um, executing at a high level. What do you like about game? Um, I like how fluent he is, um, physical. Um, he can he plays corner, he plays the nickel, so he knows a lot of uh, positions on his defense. So he's creating value for himself. So that's the biggest thing. It's just somebody that learning from who created value, and that's what I'm trying to do: is create value for myself. I have to ask this because he's also another four point three guy. So so who would win in a race between you and Smith? Oh, that that would be a good that would be a good race. But you know, I, I think I'm more explosive. Um, <laughs> this, this is me, but but we'll we'll have to race one day. But he's he's a pretty fast guy too. I will watch his um, combine. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to the production team of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to beat writers Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell for sharing their insights on the Chiefs. Great stuff in today's morning sports edition. All the local stories covered plus national news like the NBA and NHL playoffs. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening. We couldn't do this without you. We'll be back on Monday with another Sportsbeat KC.